The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? Megan Marie and Kelsey Charles here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. As always, hello. Kelsey has that Friday energy. Must be the bye week. It is definitely the bye week. Also, maybe a little bit of the eight cups of coffee, um, all of my ADHD medication, and adrenaline running through me because not only is it the bye week, it's also my finals week, and I'm also moving on my first day of finals because that makes a whole lot of logical sense. <laughs> Only you would do that, like it, literally. That, I know. So why not? Um, but, you know, while I try to get good grades on, on you know, my report card, uh, you have the wonderful idea of doing a progress report um, of where we stand in terms of right now during the bye week and our initial predictions. And I have a yeah. feeling this is going to go nice and miserably for me. And <laughs> we brought in a special guest to witness my demise. Um, the one and only, Tom Shoda. Yeah. Up, up? <laughs> you know, he was on our preseason preview. So I was like, this is only right to bring him back and talk about how right or wrong we were. This is like actually kind of perfect because I feel like Meg, you are like the queen of receipts. Um, so this makes like Meg and I have this relationship where she will all like send like a meme or something. And she'll be like, you literally like, I, you literally sent that a week ago. Or like, I sent this like two, two hours ago. Or like <laughs> if, if someone said something and then they say something again, like a couple of weeks down the road, she's like, I thought I recall correctly, like actually. And I'm like, I don't remember what I, again, like what I ate for breakfast, let alone like what I said um, before the season started. So I'm looking forward to seeing how off base I was. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, I had a meeting today and, and I like brought up this like really, really random story that they had told me the last time I'd met them, met with them. And they were like, wait, we told you that? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are all the details let me uh, regale you with your own story exactly um, <laughs> the worst though the worst is when you are around people 
and you've been drinking and then yeah. you see them down the line and they're like, yeah, no, you told me all about them. I'm like, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, so what else did yeah, I tell you that a, I didn't want to tell you? That's a thing. Yeah. We all do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, before we dive in, John, I've got to ask, do you have any fun bi-week plans? Like, were you planning to relax? Because um, like, what do you typically do on the bi-week? Like, I feel like there's this mystique around the bi-week where everyone kind of thinks like, oh, like everyone's just done. And then either in true Cowboys fashion, like they did this week, something crazy happens. So you have to work, i.e. Uh, DUI, or that's just not even a realistic thing to think about the concept of you guys like actually relaxing. So this is, this is kind of, this is kind of good and sad at the same time. Like I really, really do enjoy like what I do. Like there's nothing, I mean, aside from being able to play sports professionally, this is what I want to do. And so that gets taken to another level when the team's doing well. And then you just see the response from the fan base and how they just do more and more. And so because of that, I mean, yeah, I'll get to watch more NFL games on Sunday. Um, but it's not going to be that much different than a, than a normal week, just because they, they did play so well. Like we had the assistant coaches the other day. And so we had 11, 11 coaches, each of them talked at least 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, that's over two hours of interviews. And so like on a normal, if they were like, I don't know if they only had two wins right now or something, I would not go back through all of that, but like earlier today, and I'm finishing up right now, like going through every single one and trying to put together something where it's like the best stuff from all 11 for like tomorrow morning and the athletic were, if they probably weren't killing it right now, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to do all because it just is so time consuming. And then the other side of it is like, is anyone going to even read this if I put all this time and, and, and come out with this 2,500 words about, but I know right now Cowboys fans are consuming anything they can get. So to answer your question, I'm not doing anything exciting, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I'm in good company. I kind of agree with you on that though. Like you didn't say it in this, in this way, but like, I'm kind of like, I know bye weeks are important, but I'm kind of bummed. Like I was having a good time. <laughs> I want to keep going. <laughs> I mean, but I know Tyron Smith of all people is probably like, oh, I'm going to need this bye week. Yeah, seriously. And Zach, what, for that matter. What do you think about like the placement of where it is in the season? Like, do you feel like at all, like are, are you, are either of you like thinking that it could interrupt some of the momentum they have, or do you feel like it's too early because you know, maybe they could use some more help down the stretch or like, are you like, nah, this is fine. Like it is what it is. It's arbitrary. It's fine. Um, I don't think it's ideal though. It's, I, I, I believe it's better to have it later in the season just because generally you're going to have more injuries and things like that. And you'd rather have it then, but then, with, you know, as Megan just said with the deck injury, I guess it does come at a good time for them, but I don't think that it'll, I don't think it's going to slow down any momentum or anything like that. I just, there's just been a lot building with this team from just, one, how awful they were last year to Dak being back and looking better than ever, which, and he plays the most important position really in all of sports. And so that's been such a huge factor. And then the other one, which the players really don't talk about this because there's really not a way for them to talk about this, but I firmly believe that this has been a factor is that, you know, there's, there's been adversity this season, you know, Lyle Collins gets suspended after that first game. Demarcus Lawrence breaks his foot. Michael Gallup gets hurt. Like there's been plenty of key pieces taken away from this team and business has been booming and that builds with the team when they see that i thought it was interesting on the team website i love when they put up those 
videos like the following day of like the talk from the sidelines. Yeah. And that one, there's that part in like the, it's probably in like the last minute or minute and a half is when like Anthony Brown's like, man, if we come back from this, I mean, you can really build off something like that. And it's so true. I mean, the, you could, I mean, this isn't that they didn't just beat like the Patriots of the early two thousands with Tom Brady and like a loaded Bill Belichick defense, but that's still, that's an impressive win to come back to beat who I think is the greatest coach of all time. Uh, greatest NFL coach of all time. So I do believe that that momentum won't be stopped from just a, a bye week. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on everything you said, truly. I think honestly, it couldn't have come at a better time given um, that Dak needs a boot at the moment. Um, and that Tyron, like, this is one of those things where he, obviously he came back in the game, um, but it's like, stuff like that compounds on him. And then it's like, then it, it couple games later, he's out. And I think that this is the perfect time for him to rest up and come back better than ever for the Vikings and the rest of the stretch. Realistically, John, like, do you feel like, I mean, you were actually talking to, you saw him and everything. And do you think that one week is going to be sufficient or is he pulling a Baker Mayfield and is dreaming, you know, where he's like, no, I'm going to do it. It's fine. And the team's like, no, you're not. No, nah, we're good. Well, after the game, he, he did not seem like it was serious at all. I mean, he was joking around a lot. And even after he left the podium and a couple of us were over by the team bus and he walked by, like he was joking around with us. Like he did not seem like a guy that was, had suffered like some serious injury where he knew he'd be out for several weeks. Now uh, that's also right after a game, and that could change over the week ahead. But this is a guy that's going to play through just about anything. I mean, not that he's worried about Cooper Rush taking his job, but like <laughs> Dak Prescott is a guy that everything, every level of football, he's gotten his starting job because someone else got hurt. And so he's the last guy that wants to see somebody else in there taking snaps, even if it is just for one week. So it's keeping Dak on the sidelines or keeping Dak out of the game is going to be the toughest part for them. So I don't think it's something that, you know, I don't think he would miss multiple games. I could see potentially the training staff being like, you know, maybe if we do another week that gives you three weeks without this, maybe if they look at it that way, I really don't know just because we don't know the severity of it. And there's really no way of knowing that only the medical staff and DAC are going to know that. I just, I think that people see it and they think, man, Michael Gallup's got a calf injury and we haven't seen him in forever. It's just different. You have to remember that it's just, it's going to be different for a wide receiver or running back. Like they need, they, they're going to need that calf on like every single part of what they do. Whereas obviously Dak needs it, but he's going to have a little bit more success playing through that just because they can change his game a little bit to where they keep him more in the pocket. And I think he'll be able to play through it that way. The only thing that you concerned you is then, okay, what if he goes out there and then he further injures it? you know, it makes it worse. So, you know, as of right now, if I was betting, I'd say he plays against Minnesota and he's not running as much and it's mostly from the pocket, which is fine. I mean, he's clearly elevated his game to where he can, he doesn't need to run. It just, it, it takes his game to another level when he does, but I mean, there's reason for concern. It's not, it's not, it's not nothing, you know, I mean, he is obviously wearing a walking boot for a reason. Um, but I don't know that you should compare it to Michael Gallup is, is, is the big thing I want to get across. Yeah. Do you ever um do you ever watch Amari Cooper's lives on Instagram? John? I do, well, yeah, from time <laughs> to time. Um, are you talking about the one where he was playing basketball in the locker well, room? I think that's like every single one is them playing yeah, right. basketball. <laughs> but um he had Dak walk by in a boot, or like he didn't have him walk by, but he happened to. 
And then obviously the live went crazy and he's like, y'all, y'all are going off like deck straight, deck straight. And I was like, well, if Cooper says it, then I'm yeah. going to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also like you mentioned, like keeping him in the pocket when you got a guy like Lyle Collins coming back in the mix, like that becomes a lot more feasible. And it feels like the structure of the, and the integrity of the O-line will be elevated with the addition of, of that piece of the puzzle again. So it feels like that could be a viable solution, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're in good shape on the offensive line, much better shape than I thought they would be uh, when Lyle was suspended. It's, it's been impressive. I mean, I thought Terrence Steele would be bar be far and away the weak link there. And that hasn't been the case at all. It's more of in the middle with Connor Williams from time to time. And then more with Tyler Biotish where I think really with Biotish, it just, he has to play more snaps. And once he does that, he'll be good. But you certainly worry with keeping Dak in the pocket about Tyler Biotish. He hasn't been great in pass protection. So maybe that leads to a game plan against Minnesota where it's a little bit more like uh, week one against Tampa Bay where you see Zeke stay in a little bit more to help him block. But uh, this team's just so talented that even if they have to go about it that way, they still should be in good shape to win the game against Minnesota, even if he has to play a limited role like that. But yeah, I, I really don't know just because you just – everybody's different with how they handle these injuries and there's certain things that you can play through and certain things that if you just make it worse, it's going to be like, yeah. Hey, also remember that we're five and one and we're in a trash bag division. Like (laughs) we don't need to kill it right now. Like we're going to the playoffs as long as we don't do anything stupid, you know? Right. And he's the one position where, I mean, nothing against anybody else that I'm about to say here, but like, you can replace like a lot of guys and still be adequate, whether it's at receiver, running back, tight end, offensive line. Like even with, if, you know, Megan mentions Tyron earlier, like, yeah, he, he, he's such a key to that offensive success, but at least you can, you think you can keep the boat floating by moving Lyle over there. And you feel a little bit better about Terrence Steele here. It's like, you're not going to feel like you're going to keep the boat floating. If you have to put in Cooper rush, like you're just not, and that's nothing against Cooper rush. Um, but he's not, he's not like an upper echelon backup where you're like, right. Yeah. We'll be fine here for three or four games. Like, I just don't, I don't know that, that they would feel that way. Um, I don't think he's awful, but I mean, I don't think he's Andy Dalton either. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, um, you know, kind of on that topic of where they're, they're at currently in the standings. I don't know about you guys, but I, um, I am ready to eat some humble pie. And so um, Megan, if you would uh, do do your do your worst and regale us <laughs> with uh, the receipts. So <laughs> we did predictions for like what we thought the record was going to be. I said seventeen and zero. Very unbiased. Great, <laughs> perfect. I mean, I think I might be the closest so far. You don't might. <laughs> I can see that. I'm just kidding. Um, but let's see. Kelsey said that they won't win more than 10. Yep. And then John was like teetering between seven and eight. <laughs> All right. I can't believe I was but that To be fair, I think uh, John was very much like keeping the, the, the temperament down a little bit. He was like, his direct quote was, feel like we're gonna dip our toes into the water like as excitement wise like based off of last year and so um you're like if they beat tampa bay though like going off the rails (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no i remember that it's funny because i feel like between podcasts and radio interviews and then just stuff that i write and that 
I feel like I was asked so many different times, whether it be when the <laughs> schedule came out to so whenever, like, I mean, there's just no way that I would have even been able, like, if you asked me, what did I tell you at the time? I, I mean, I, I would have known it was somewhere between eight and probably 11. I never would be higher than 11, but yeah, every, everything I, anytime I asked me, I was somewhere between eight, eight, eight and 11 wins. Um, but yeah, now, now I think that they, they should probably win 12 games, maybe even more. If Dak's healthy, yeah. if, if Dak's not healthy, I think that, that that changes some things. But if Dak's healthy, then yeah, they sh- they should be a team that could go twelve and five, thirteen and four. Looking down the stretch, which ones do you, do you see being the like the ones to look out for? Because obviously, I feel like even though you know Kansas City isn't playing like as dominantly as they had in past years, like that's still one that like. I don't want to put Patty in a corner, you know, <laughs> for, for, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. And that game will be interesting just because he, I just know this from watching a lot of, you know, whether it be Romo or Matthew Stafford over the years, like guys that have that type of arm talent, like a Stafford, like a, like a Patrick Mahomes, like he's not going to be scared to throw at Trayvon Diggs. So this could be a big game for Trayvon Diggs. The, the flip side of that though, is that the Cowboys also give up a lot of big plays in the passing game. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Kansas City is certainly one that that would be a concern, especially with it being on the road. Um, even though that I, I clearly think the Cowboys have played like a better team this year, that Thursday night game in New Orleans, it just at New Orleans Thursday night, that's not going to be a walk in the park. That'll be a tough game. Yeah, There's always voodoo there. Right? Always. And then just finishing out the season with those NFC East games on the road like that. I mean, I know Mike McCarthy – was not thrilled when the schedule came out and he saw that. And again, going back to my, my Detroit days, that was one of the first things when the schedule came out, it was like, all right, are the Lions going to be playing in green Bay early in the season? Or do they have to play in green Bay at the end of the season? Cause it's a, it's a big difference, you know? And that's the same Huge. thing here. Like that Washington game, you know, middle of December, New York, middle of December. I mean, Philadelphia beginning of January, those could all be really cold games. Now this team can certainly win in those environments, there's no doubt about that. Uh, they can win whatever, wherever, but those will be, even though that they're clearly better than those NFC East teams, I would not be surprised if they lost one of those games. And then the biggest one and I'm saving for last is certainly that Cardinals game. I mean, going into the season, I don't think anybody thought the Cardinals were going to be doing what they are like that. I thought they'd be a good team, but I'd not think they would be rolling like this. And I'm not completely on the cliff Kingsbury bandwagon. Like, I think he's okay. I'm not, I still, well, I think everything they're doing is great. If you tell me that they go and lose in the first round of the playoffs, or even if they get a bye, they lose their first game. Like that's not going to surprise me. Like, so they're kind of a wild card, but that game has become just so I almost think it's even replaced the Kansas city game just because of how good they're playing in terms of the game that everybody is looking forward to. Because if you have both those teams with only one or two losses with, I mean, I mean, just look at right now in Vegas, Kyler Murray and, and Dak Prescott are the two favorites right now for MVP. So I mean, yeah, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but everything looks a lot better right now than it did when we were making those predictions. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I always kind of go into the season a little more hyped than I probably should be. But um, yeah, it. I feel like even though that we lost to Tampa Bay, like the hype started then. Like the way they were able to play them so close, I feel like it. it went crazy right after that. Yeah. And, and the biggest difference, like if you take me back to like probably what my mindset was when we made those picks, it's 
it's really all about the defense. Like there's nothing that the offense is doing. That's really surprised me. It's just that I never would have thought that Trayvon Diggs would have intercepted this many passes already. And that has covered up so many of their issues on defense. Cause this isn't some shut them down defense. They give up big plays. They give up points They give up yards, but like for him to be on that tear, that's been huge to be honest with you. And, and Cowboys fans can call BS on this. I'm really not that surprised with Randy Gregory's done. Like I think Randy Gregory is, is, is a good player. Just, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. But the, but the biggest thing is, is really been Micah Parsons and the, and the way Dan Quinn's been able to use him in, in like so many different ways. I just didn't see that at the beginning of the year. I ne- there's just no way I expected him to be, have the type of impact he's had already. So it's really all on the defensive side. I just, there was no way yeah. I thought that they would play as well as they have. Have you ever seen a player who's had, quote, position flex, like a Micah Parsons, come in and perform at those various positions to the caliber that he has like not even just with Cowboys like anywhere though not in a position flex like that like in terms of immediate impact I can't think of anyone like I was just I was too young to see uh I caught the end of Lawrence Taylor's career that would be the that he's the gold standard of what Micah Parsons is doing like to the point where like we had a conference call with Bill Belichick and I was, I I'm I'll be honest with you, I was scared to, I wasn't even going to compare I wasn't even going to mention Lawrence Taylor's name to him because he's very protective. Like he thinks Lawrence Taylor is like the best player. And obviously he coached him in New York. So, but that would be the gold standard for it, but that's just so long ago to make a comparison to, and certainly not with somebody with position flex, because there's been edge rushers that have made an immediate impact. There's been guys like Aaron Donald, but nobody that's done like multiple things like he has uh, that, that I can think of off the top of my head. And, and while he's great and he deserves all the credit for it, I mean, Dan Quinn deserves a lot of credit too, because you also got to be willing to do that. I don't know that, previous Cowboys defensive coaching staffs would do that. I think a lot of them would have been like, you're linebacker and that's where we're going to use you at. And you're going to stay there. And I don't think that you're maxing out the potential of Micah Parsons if he's just a linebacker. Yeah. And you did see big things for Micah from what you said the last we spoke the preseason. Um, You did also say Trayvon could elevate to pro bowl level. Hey, Oh, John, you called that one at least. (laughs) I mean, that, he's, was, that was good. He's, he's, he's fascinating to me because um, he's my preference at corner. I, I, I argued about this a lot during like, I would say 2018, well, 2017 and 2019 that there are a lot of people that were like, man, Byron Jones is awesome. He shuts down his guy and that's great and everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's great. If, if he wants to come back and, on, on, on a somewhat team-friendly deal. But when I saw that he was going to make the money that he got offered, I didn't even look twice at that. I was like, yeah, but to make that type of elite money at corner, you have to take, you have to pick off passes. And I kind of think that I, not even kind of, I know the Cowboys feel the same way. Like let, let Trayvon keep doing this. Like the Cowboys generally don't pay defensive backs, big money. They're, they won't let Trayvon Diggs leave. They'll pay him that money. They were not going to pay Byron Jones the money Miami gave him. And Byron's great. I mean, he's, he was outstanding, like, especially during that, those last couple of years, I mean, him and Chris Richard, that was like a great fit. And he was shutting down his guy where quarterbacks were like, we're not even going to go over there. Uh, and Trayvon gives up plays that, that Byron wouldn't, but man, those, those interceptions and, and just the clutch moments they're coming in, like, like the Patriots game. Mm-hmm. I understand that he gave up a big play on the next, but man, that's what this defense has to have. Cause this isn't going to be a shut them down defense. So um at the same time though I, I just don't know how he can continue on this pace it would just, it's just so absurd what he's doing right now I mean to even get to 10 interceptions on a season is is absurd let alone the pace he's on right now where to get 20 so it's so funny you said that. I'm actually 
I'm, I'm emailing with Terrence Newman because he came on our show a few weeks ago and um, he keeps emailing me. He's just like, he's like, I'm calling. He's like, give me 12, give me 12 this. And I'm like, let's go Terrence. Like, I mean, but I think it's, if I even like, yeah. If I even take a step back though, like I kind of wish that Sertan and Horn have, would, would not have been as knocked up as they have been thus far, because I'd love to eventually get to the point and I'm not even sure this is fair, but maybe to say, okay, can we objectively like grade where they are versus like, like our draft pick or even like what Diggs has done versus like where these guys that this team seemingly was like so obsessed with and like, would they have even been able to come in and do half of what, you know, he has done. And I know that's a little like off kilter because it's his second year, blah, blah, blah. But I just, you know, I wonder if, I really wonder if they would have been even like nearly as good as what Trayvon Diggs is proving to be. Well, I will say it, it has a lot to do. It would, even if they were playing and let's say they did have a lot of interceptions or they didn't, or regardless of what they were doing with their teams, it has a lot to do with how your defense is being, you know, the way your defensive coordinator is calling it. He's allowing these guys to be very aggressive. Other teams wouldn't like Trayvon Diggs would not be doing this right now, five years ago on the Cowboys. The way Jason Garrett wanted their defense to be under Rob Marinelli, it was to keep everything in front of you and not give up big plays. So the trade-off from that is that you're not going to be in position to intercept a ton of passes. Like I still think Trayvon Diggs would get maybe three to five in a season, but he wouldn't be on this tear if it wasn't for Dan Quinn allowing them to be so aggressive on the back end. So yeah, certainly if, if Patrick Sertan or JC Horner on the other side, you know, they could, they could possibly, you know, they, I don't, they wouldn't have seven, but they might have three or four. I mean, Anthony Brown's got two right now and he'll be the first to tell you that he should have three because it may be more from uh, one that he dropped. And so with all of that said, you know, I think that the Cowboys would admit to you that they've just, they've been, they've obviously do a good job with their draft process, but they've been, they've been very fortunate. You can use the word lucky because you look at this team and it's like, Dak Prescott was lucky. CD Lamb falling to them was lucky. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs falling to 51 was lucky. And Micah Parsons was lucky. Now that they like you see the way everything unfolded, there's no way right now, if they knew that Micah Parsons would be able to do the edge rush stuff he's been able to do, that they would have even taken horn or sort Sertan over him. They you just couldn't. If if you knew that he was gonna do all that. And even if they even if let's say the draft unfolds the way that it did. If they knew he was going to be like that, they never would have traded from 10 back to 12. They would have been like, nope, we're at 10. I can't believe Parsons is still here. We're taking him. But they still were willing to trade back with Philly, get another third-round pick, and be like, oh, Parsons will still be there. We'll be good at 12. You would never even risk it if you knew that he was going to be on this level. You would have just been like, nope, that's our guy. Fine, we're taking him at 10. And then on top of it, to, with that third-round pick that they got in that trade to get Osa Zua the way he's played, like, I mean, I mean, everyone, there's a plenty of credit needs to go around. I mean, Will McClay and his staff, Dan Quinn and his staff, the way they're using these guys, but like the way that they haven't spent on big name free agents from other teams. And they've just been able to get a lot of these guys that are their key pieces through the draft. And it wasn't like they had top five picks. I mean, yeah, they had Zeke like that, but most of these guys are ones that are, are kind of falling to them and they're putting them in position to make plays. I mean, it, I mean, Cowboys fans, regardless of how the season plays out, have to be more excited than ever going into the draft next year. How seriously do you take the commentary around Diggs wanting to play wide receiver? I just think it's, I think it's silly because of the fact of just what they have at wide receiver. I mean, this isn't a team that needs playmakers. You know, if you're a team where 
you know, you, let me think of a good one. Well, heck I can, I give you a perfect one. It's a perfect example. You couldn't, you will literally not have a better example than this. It's <laughs> there's not a good yes. player at receiver on the Detroit lions. And if he was with the lions, I could totally understand. I'd be like, yeah, you want to get him out there because you need another playmaker. You don't need that. I mean, Cedric Wilson has stepped up to an, a level where you're like, he's a, he's a good number three wide receiver. Yeah. And then Michael Gallup's going to come back. And like Noah Brown has been solid when, when he's been called upon. And then on top of then you have CD lamb and, and Amari Cooper. I just, <laughs> this is the way I'll, this is the way I'll explain it because of the fact that we had those assistant coaches the other day. So we're, we're over by skip Pete, the running backs coach. And, and he's one of my favorites. He just, he's a, it's, it's maybe it's the position coach. Cause as, as I'm sure you guys know, Gary Brown was great too. I love talking oh, yeah. to Gary Brown and skip was saying, like we were talking to him about the whole idea of Connor McGovern, the way he's been playing some fullback and the joke of just like, you think you'll give him a carry. And he laughed about it and joked back and forth. But then he got to the point where he goes, it's just tough for me to have to go back in that room, that running back room the following day after the game and like explain to Tony Pollard and explain to Zeke why I'm giving one of their carries to an offensive lineman. Like this is the, this is the big leagues. This is professional sports. This is big business. Like, I don't think you need to be messing around with like little trick things like that. When you have CD lamb and Amari Cooper, I don't want, Trayvon Diggs getting a pass thrown to him if it means it's not going to to CD Lamb or Amari Cooper. That's just the way it is. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but there's a reason Nick Saban was like, "You're going to be better off at playing defensive back." Yeah, I I I need to ask because I think one of the main narratives that we're realizing more and more is that there's so much depth at this with this team, uh, and the talent is just it's incredible. There this fan base is lucky to have this kind of team but that being said last season it felt like the Michael Gallup conversation of trading and everyone's like no I would never like are you kidding me but now like you just said there's been a lot of guys that have been gone and injured and and not on this not not making the impact and there's had to come back does that make him more expendable now because like you said business has been booming even without him and maybe they could say hey we'll deal him if we can get something big, like defensively, or I, you know, I don't know, whatever the need might be. Yeah. For me personally, I think that's silly to trade him. Um, I mean, obviously someone can offer you something crazy and you just can't pass it up. Um, but I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Like I'm just not, I'm not a conservative. I wouldn't be a conservative GM. And I just think what they're doing right now on the field is special and it, it's not special very often. I mean, I've covered team for 10 years and I would say, so 14 and 16, I could say we, we were pretty special years. Um, but this one has a chance to be even better than those years. I, I think this is the best team that the Cowboys have had better than 14 and better than 16. It's the best team that they've had that I've covered. I'm not trying to give up any pieces right now at all. Um, and, but like I said, cause some, there's some GMs that would argue like, no, you always have to be looking towards the future. You always have to be willing to add draft picks and things like that. And that's fine, but it just, man, it's just been so long since they've had a, a legitimate chance to get the NFC championship game into a Super Bowl. I, I would rather have Michael Gallup and because here's the other thing, like Amari Cooper always is playing through injuries. Like maybe, maybe getting Michael Gallup back allows them to kind of give Amari more of a rest. Like I just getting like, you know, a, a third round pick in return for him just doesn't do enough for me because that's all they're going to, they're not going to get anything major because whatever team trades for him still has to pay him in the off season. So Uh, His contract's up at the end of the year. So the whole idea of trading him and thinking you're going to get this like first round pick, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, So I would prefer to keep the guys, you know, and, and almost think of them psychologically as like, 
these are the trade pieces we're getting back. We're, we're five and one, and we're going to get Michael Gallup, and we're going to get Demarcus Lawrence, and we're going to get uh, possibly Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore back. And those are going to be like added pieces to a team that's already rolling. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to subtract any pieces. I'll worry about that in the off season. Based on like what I know, Meg, Meg has us both beat in terms of thus far the the schedule, like what, what our predictions were, but like outside of the defense, which is the obvious big uh, proof point in, in what's making a big impact this season and them able to win games. But are, are there other factors that you feel like have really been difference makers? Like, I feel like I look at Dak and I feel like he's starting to truly edge into these conversations of viable MVP candidates. Like I was talking about it on Twitter about how is he one of these guys that now you start to regret giving him time? Like, I'm not saying that he's like, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady yet, but like, I feel like he's becoming part of some of these uh, elite is not the word I'm looking for, but upper echelon conversations. And would you agree that that's his, his play has been one of the big reasons. And are there any other factors that you feel like come into play? I mean, yeah, there's going to be other factors, but that would be my number one. And, uh, and, and just because you're talking to somebody that like, I probably, I probably shouldn't do it as much as I do, but I just really simplify things down with the way the NFL is now. And it's like, there are so many players involved and there are so many key pieces that change, but it's like, just look at if, if you were to sit there right now and look at all the good teams, in the NFL and rank to yourself, like who scares you most as a Cowboys fan of who you don't want to play. I can promise you that out of that top 10, nine, if not all 10 are going to be the ones that have the best quarterbacks and the ones that scare you are the ones that like, like, I, like for a great example would be on paper. If you looked at the green Bay Packers right now, and just on paper, like you changed their uniforms, you didn't know who they were. And you compared it to the Cowboys roster with who's healthy and what they have. You'd be like, I'd love to play them. <laughs> knowing who the green Bay Packers are, right. knowing that they have Aaron Rodgers, you would vote them off in a second. Like, nah, let's not go through them. Let's, 100%. That's the last team that I want to see. Right, right. And so, but to have one of those special quarterbacks, and I do think that Dak is, is special and he's elevated himself to that level. And, and I say this all the time and I don't care like if people are annoyed by it, but like Jason Garrett deserves credit. Scott Linehan deserves credit. Like I think they brought him along the right way. That's one of the things like I've noticed there's a lot of people nationally that have been critical of, of Bill Belichick and the way he, some of the decisions he made in that game against the Cowboys. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't understand how none of you guys nationally are not factoring in that he's putting Mac Jones in situations to where he does not blow things up and wreck his career early on. That's why with 90 seconds to go in the first half, he's like, we're going to kneel down because he doesn't want him to potentially throw some type of interception and it, and it just blows the game out of control. If you look at like what Dak was doing early on, he wasn't throwing stuff very much in the middle of the field because that's where most of your interceptions are going to come. And so I, I, I mean, obviously it was time to move on from Jason Garrett. I'm certainly not arguing that, but I just think that it's been great for Dak the way that he's been kind of brought up because I don't think that they wasted any years with him. Like, yeah, you can look back to maybe 18 when they, when they lost to the Rams, maybe they should have opened up the game plan a little bit more in that game for him. They didn't give him a chance to, to try and win it until it was probably too late. That's probably my only like second guessing I have because what they did in 16 and 17, like I thought that was the right thing to do with a young quarterback like that. And, and every year he's steadily progressed. And obviously he deserves the most credit because a lot of the stuff he does, he's doing it off the field. He's doing it when nobody's around. So um, he's by far the number one reason why this is, why this is all working. 
Uh, and number two is probably the fact that they kept Kellen Moore and him and Kellen Moore are absolutely lockstep and on the same page. And, and uh, you know, I think that that's big because you can be on the same page with somebody, you know, during the week, like we are right now on a zoom call. And that's way different when you're in one of these venues and you have uh-huh. screen fans and, and the clock's running down and, and even in a game in new England, which, you know, there's no way of proving this, but man, I just thought the clock was real fast in, in, in the, and it's probably a Foxborough thing, but like the play clocks were just run, like they would reset the play clock super fast and keeps going back to the next, going to the next one. I was just like, kind of like, that's kind of crazy. I bet you, maybe that's a stadium thing or whatever, but like just to keep and not be phased like Dak was and just get to the next play, no matter what's going on. I mean, to throw that, to sit there and have a pick six and then on the next play, give up 75 yard touchdown, like the swings in that, like it's easy to, to fold. And the way he just came back out there, you know, they, they got in field goal range, they get overtime and he's just unfazed there. It just, uh, I, I'd say that, you know, he's number one, Callen's number two. And then number three is just Dan Quinn putting everybody in the place that they are. And just, I think the, the kind of the environment he's setting up behind the scenes uh, has been really special and, and it's going to make it tough on the Cowboys because one, if not both those guys are going to be getting head coaching offers if it continues to roll this way. Sure. Um, but that's just such a good problem to have. You want them to be so good that, that other teams that want your, your coaches like that, because you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to be double digit wins. You're going to have to have playoff success for, for it to get to that level to where you really have to worry about that. And if that happens, then it happens and you just got to move on and, and go to the next guy. I wonder what their interactions are like Kellen and Dak, because, you know, I hardly view Dak as a bus driving quarterback. (laughs) And so I wonder like how much, and also like their age, interesting, like dynamic. Like I think about the fact that, you know, I, when I manage people, if it's someone who's like my similar age range, like it's kind of awkward. Like, do you feel like, I wonder if Kellen like defers to Dak or how often or what that, you know, that dynamic truly looks like in terms of, is he letting him check down or check out of a play more so than, I don't know, like maybe an, another defensive court or I'm sorry, offensive coordinator would have done previously. Well, I think with anything to be like a great team, you need people that like complement what you do uh, and maybe they're better where you're weak at and you're better where they're weak at. Um, and I think that with Kellen Moore, I think that they're kind of the perfect match because if you go back to their playing days, they're both like incredible college quarterbacks and in college, you know, you don't need that necessarily ideal size. You can win being the size of Kellen Moore doesn't have the big arm or anything like that. But then you get to the pros and it's like Dak is everything that Kellen wishes he was as a player size, like arm strength and all that. But Kellen's also the type of guy that he can like just drop these crazy plays that Dak probably couldn't do because it's right. not, he doesn't see the game that way. Um, <clears throat> most of the people that see the game that way end up being coaches. That's why you see so many of these guys, like as much as I'm sure he loves calling plays, Sean McVay would much rather be Matthew Stafford than be the head coach. He would want to be the guy that's out there winning those games. Kyle Shanahan, um, who am I forgetting? I don't know, but all the guys that are like Kellen Moore, the younger offensive minds like that. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is a good one too. Um, so fancy. Yeah. Yeah. No. So if you get, if you, I know, I think Dak can, can, the longer he's around the NFL, I'm sure that he'll be able to call plays and do all that stuff himself too. But as of right now, I think Dak would, would be very open that like Kellen's mind on that type of stuff is just on another level. And so when you have somebody that can compliment you and put you in, and in, in, it's like Dak probably had 
all these plays he felt comfortable with coming into the NFL that he did at LSU that like, he's not going to do at the NFL because he was running like 15 times a game. I'm not, not LSU at Mississippi state. And uh, <laughs> we, we wanted to go to LSU, but no. So <laughs> running 15 times a game, like that's not going to work in the NFL. And so you have this guy like Kellen Moore who kind of brings in his like twist on everything. And I think that just takes everything to another level. And so while I think Dak is at a, at a spot now where, He's going to be pretty damn good regardless of who the offensive coordinator is. I think that his potential is, it it just, it keeps growing because of having Kellen Moore with him. Could you imagine if, if Dak Prescott went to LSU, David Hellman would be incorrigible, like unbearable to be around during the NFL. He already is. (laughs) That that would be wild. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be like, yeah, if Joe Burrow got drafted by the Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, oh, that would be. I have a couple, like, random questions for you guys. I know we're, we, I could just talk to y'all forever, so I'll try to keep it brief. But I was, like, thinking about this, you know, when we were, when I was watching some of the games the other day, and everyone always talks about, like, how, like, Tony Romo can predict plays, and, you know, he's a great offensive mind and everything like that. So, um, I was, I, let me throw out a ridiculous situational uh, question because this is what we do on the bye week. Who do you feel like now that you've seen Kellen cook a little bit and his creativity, who do you feel like would be a better offensive coordinator? Romo or Kellen Moore? I'm riding with Kellen. I, yeah. And I honestly don't even think it would be close. Um, the, the biggest difference is that I don't think that, I don't think that Tony wants to, I almost want to say, I know just because <laughs> I've heard that Tony doesn't want to put in the time that it takes to do that stuff. Like, he, like, obviously Tony is a brilliant offensive mind and maybe one day he gets, but I just like, I think Kellen is at a stage right now where he's just like, he, I mean, just the hours and, the, and, and time you have to put in to do that and be good at what he's doing right now. I just think that, you know, I don't think it's, I really don't think it's close. Like you just, I mean, just kind of look at it from this perspective. If, uh, if anybody listening to this or you guys want to disagree with me, um, where are all those super superstar quarterbacks, um, that had a lot of success in the NFL? Why, why aren't they either one coaching or having success doing it? I mean, there's just a part of it. I mean, cause the one that I always go back to for me personally is, uh, if you would have told me when I was younger growing up that Michael Jordan would just be arguably the worst general manager in the NBA. I'd be like, there's no way he's the greatest. Like there's no, like it just, there, there's just something different about like, you know, like the time you put in, like, I can tell you right now, there's things that I do and just in my own job, because I don't look at myself as being like an X as excellent of a writer as other people that I work around. So I compensate for that by doing other things at a level that none of them will do on the level that I do. They just, they, there isn't enough time in the day for them to do what I'm doing. So, yeah. so like you make up for it in other ways. And I think that Tony, why would you want, why would he want it? He's getting a million dollars. He's making more money calling a game on CBS once a week than he is. Why would he want to like sit there and do that? Like, I, like, again, though, I do think he's a brilliant offensive mind. And if he really, if that's all he cared about, I think he could do it. And I think he'd be pretty damn good at it. But I just think that Kellen Moore is just obsessed with it right now. And that, and that's his thing. You know, the thing that, the thing that Tony is probably even more obsessed with than, than even doing that right now is, is golf. Like, I was going to say golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if he got to a point where like, he didn't, he was like, ah, you know, my back hurts or like, I can't really golf anymore. And I'm not having fun calling these games. Cause that could certainly happen. Yeah. And I want to get back into that. 
then yeah, I, I, th- I certainly think be, he would be uh, good at it, but I just, I don't think it'd be on Kellen Moore's level right now, because going back to when even Kellen Moore, when he first got elevated and he started a couple games in 15, you know, I was at the end of a bad season. And, and, and so I wrote a story on him where I called a bunch of his old coaches and I got a hold of his old college roommate. And even then he was talking about how like they would just be sitting there and watching TV and Kellen was always have like a notebook out and would be drawing up different things and be like, Hey, what about this? Do you think this could work? Do you think this work? And it would be like, he would tell him like, man, turn that <laughs> off for a little bit. Like it's not that big of a deal, but like some people are just obsessed with it. And that's certainly Kellen Moore. I think he's also, if I had to guess, like he probably, I feel like he's more creative than Tony might be like, Tony is definitely like your football smarts guy, but I just feel like, I just feel like Kellen has that millennial mindset where he's like, yeah, that's cool. You've done it that way forever. But like, how about we like shake things up a little bit and try this? Like, it seems a little kooky, but like, why not? You know, like, why not throw a bit of a, a bit of a twist in our game plan, like regularly, you know? And and he's the perfect guy for it because his success and, and everything that was going on at Boise is literally built on that. It was like, you know, being a, being a diehard college football fan, it would always be like, what is this team doing on this blue field? Like, how are they all of a sudden in the national picture? How are they upsetting these like good teams? And they would always be pulling out wild stuff like that. And he was the perfect fit for, for that type of a system. And so he's bringing a lot of that with him. Things that probably when he got to the NFL, teams would never even try to do that's like nah, calm down kid that's college stuff it's not going to work up here <laughs> but what happens with with pro football well pro sports in general is it is trickle up it is not trickle down what starts out and is working in high school trickles up to college and then what works in college triple trickles up into the pros because you have to adapt to your players and so while your players are used to running four and five wides in high school like they also are, aren't used to huddling up because they're not doing that in high school or college. So they get to the NFL and it's like, we got to work on how these guys huddle because they're used to just looking to the sideline and seeing like a play card and then doing whatever they're doing. So because of that, like what Kellen was doing at, at Boise is now stuff that's going on in the NFL. So who better to sit there and, and try and bring that into what obviously, and really modernizing what the Cowboys offense is. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So Kelsey asked last time, who is going to surprise us this year? And other, we strayed away from the obvious ones because it was like, obviously CD going to do well. Like that's not a surprise, right? So the ones that um, ended up on the list, obviously I mentioned that we said, you said that Trayvon is going to elevate to pro bowl level. Um, Dalton Schultz. Oh, on the money, we have uh, Connor Williams. Oh, <laughs> he's been fine. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't this say that fine. he surprised me in a good way. <laughs> the room's on fire. This is fine. No, go <laughs> this is fine. Uh, no. We were like really hype on him because he was beating up. Uh, I'm why am Aaron I? Donald. Thank uh, you, Aaron Donald, during and getting in fights during training camp, and I was like, let's go. <laughs> Then there was a uh, Keanu Neal and Leighton Vander Esch. Mm. Yeah, Leighton hasn't elevated to where I, I thought he was going to be. Um, yeah. He's shown some flashes in that. Um, sure. But you know what? Also, to, to his credit, I guess, the defense has also changed. Like, it's not the same defense he was drafted into. They're playing a lot more safeties. They call it a big nickel. That's where J. Ron Curse has played so well because he's turned into like a really good starter in that yeah. package. So I think that's kind of why a little bit for Leighton there. Um, 
but yeah, as of right now, I mean, it looks pretty smart that the Cowboys didn't like give him extension, like let that play out. I think they kind of learned from the Jalen Smith thing. And it's really like, again, like, I don't know, that's necessarily Layton's fault. Just going back to what I said earlier, the game's just changing and, and, yeah. and, and even using Mike as an example, I mean, Jerry's very open about the fact that like, there's no way that they would have taken Micah at 12 if they just thought he was a linebacker. It's because he can also do the edge rushing stuff too. But yeah, I think those are some, no, no those weren't some hits. So I'll go on. Lastly <laughs> <laughs> was uh, Dorrance Armstrong. Oh, poor Dorrance. <laughs> poor Dorrance. Poor Dorrance. He's had some flashes, but uh yeah, that's tough there. I think that uh, Chauncey Golston's upside has moved moved him on on pace with Dorrance, if not ahead of Dorrance right now in terms of like the DN that you're most you see the biggest upside for behind Lawrence and Gregory. So yeah, that one wasn't there. I certainly didn't. I I'll, I did not think Micah was going to make the impact that he did this fast. I just I thought it was going to be too difficult for a rookie to take on what he's taken on. Yeah, yeah, he's super impressive. So going down the stretch, who are you feeling like, I wouldn't say, I feel like we have an idea of this team, so I'm not going to say surprise you, but like, who do you think is just going to continue their upwards trajectory, I guess? Or is anyone going to pull into that? Micah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But the first name I thought of is is one of them that you just mentioned was Dalton Schultz. I think, I think he can still keep, keep elevating. I, I thought Bill Belichick did some things to try and take him away because he knows how important he is. Um, and, and, and it just, it's fascinating to even say that. I mean, this is planning against Dalton Schultz. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, his first two years in the league, he, I don't even think he had 150 yards receiving and now he's just, he's got over 300 in the first six games. Um, wow. Yeah. He's, he's made himself a lot of money this, this year. And, and it really even going back to last year when that started. So I don't think he's peaked. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound you're probably gonna be like, yeah, well, we've already seen it, but like, I don't think CD Lamb has even gotten to where he's gonna be. The big thing with CD is that, like last year, because of COVID and them having to do a lot of their meetings like this, you know, through Zoom, like they were pretty conservative about what they were gonna do with CD, and now they've completely opened up the playbook and where that's where you see him on the outside and doing a lot more things. I, I don't think, I don't think he's done elevating his game. Um, I think there's more ways they can get Blake Jarwin involved if they need to. Uh, he hasn't really done a ton, ton this year. They went jumbo a couple times last game. I feel like that was more than they've done recently. Yeah, yeah, and they've been going extra tight end. I'm just wondering now that that Sean McCune's back, like he's better. He's a better blocker. I wonder if if he's going to work his way in there a little bit more uh, defensively, though. Like like Kelsey said, Micah for sure. I mean, there's just a lot of different ways he can be used. Um, especially here's the thing about Micah. Like we, I mean, yeah, we saw him the first game, but like we haven't even seen like what this defense can be when you have him out there with DeMarcus Lawrence and Randy at the same time, uh, especially on third downs, like in passing situations, like having all three of them rushing at the same time could just be, it could, that could be really exciting. So, and I can't say Trayvon Diggs because I don't think you can exceed the way he's playing. Like, I just think that he's, I mean, he's already on like an elite level. Like he's second right now in Vegas for defensive player of the year. I mean, he's just on such a ridiculous level. Like, it'll be impressive if he can just keep this up, let much less play any better than he is. Like if he can just keep this going, you know, that'll be wild. Um, I like it. Per- I was going to just say, Osa, yeah, Osa's go- yeah. I was going to mention like all these defensive rookies from that were taken right there in the third, fourth round. Osa, Chauncey Golston, and Jabril Cox. Yes. The more, the, the more they come along as, as being young guys, the more that Dan Quinn's willing to put on their plate, you know, there's some serious upside there. I mean, I think Jabril Cox, like in another year, could be starting for the Cowboys. So, and, uh, 
and yeah, Osa too for sure. Then you can get Hellman really annoying. It's it's nice to me. I've I think that Osa is a guy that not a lot of people expected really much anything from, quite frankly. And and then I feel like interior D line has been a bit of a of a of a need that has been patchwork uh, in in recent years. And obviously you had Tyrone Crawford, but like we all saw the decline, you know, just in him physically over the you know, last couple of seasons. And like you said, like it, I've been really impressed with him and how he's shown up and, and made an impact with this team. One thing I want to add on that, because I didn't end up getting it in my story and just because there was too much good stuff from all these assistants. So as you guys probably remember from hard knocks, Aiden Durday, yep. uh, so the defensive line coach, um, he was really good talking about Osa the other day because he brought up a good point about how the draft, we forget they didn't have like the normal draft off season because of COVID. And so he he's like the, the chances you got to talk to these guys were so much less than, than in previous years. And he said, the thing about Osa is that you didn't know that he was going to be this type of guy behind the scenes in terms of his work ethic and like how much he is a student of the game that like is kind of, you know, open people's eyes and that's interesting to me because there is no way to like, really, how many times can you meet with a guy to find that out, that that's how he's going to be? Because here's the thing, like you can be a beast on Saturdays in college football. Are is, is you being a beast going to translate into you being a professional when you're getting paid? And there is no like, ah, you can have an off game because you're playing Tulane this week. Like no offense to Tulane, uh, who's in town playing SMU, but um, but like, you just can't have an off day. Every one of these teams, if you have an off day, like, even if the team you're playing is bad, like they're going to have players that can embarrass you. Right. And, and, and I thought that was interesting. He pointed that out about Osa, because that is something that just from that draft process, the combine senior bowl stuff, having guys in for interviews, like a guy can sit on one of these calls and be like, I'm telling you, you'll never meet a worker like me. And I'm going to sit here and go, all right, well, you're the third guy to tell me that today. And the 567th I've heard in my life say that, but we'll believe it when we see it, you know? And that's right. one of the reasons why that like, and that's also a thing that, that um, it sounds like the coaches haven't said this, but just kind of talking to people uh, and kind of putting things together. It certainly sounds like that's one of the reasons Terrence Steele has elevated his game. It sounds like he's kind of turned himself into um, like, a buddy of Zach Martin's to the point where like he follows him around everywhere to like from workouts to like, every, and this went in, in the off season too, right. during the, like all that and just became like obsessed with it. And, uh, and, and, and that's why he's kind of elevated himself to, to where he has to where like, obviously he's exceeded all expectations. I mean, that's if you, if you went back to the beginning of the year uh, or when we, or beginning of the season, we made those projections if you would have said, one of you guys would have said, I think Terrence Steele is going to just be huge this year to the point where like people are going to be talking about <laughs> should Lyle Collins get a starting job back? I would have been like, no, immediately. <laughs> like that is First of all, the pills you're on, but that's absurd. Let me go ahead and kill that argument in general, but I do see your point. And like, I talked to his, oh, I'm not saying he should. I'm just, oh, I know. Like even put that into what people are talking about is, is wild. I know. And, and I talked to his trainer, Duke Mannyweather, and, and he said, he's like, listen, like, we took a guy like Terrence Steele, and like, I, he reminds me of myself, because Duke, when he played, he was like, I was undersized, I had things that were stacked against me, so what I had to do to be able to even, like, perform was to truly hone in on what my skill sets were and my fundamentals and get really good at those specific things. Like I can't grow my arms longer. I can't grow, grow a couple inches or I can't do X, Y, Z. And I think that Terrence was a guy, we talked about this last year. Like I'm guilty of tweeting, you know, the Terrence Steele experiment. Are we done? And like, I'm happily sitting here eating my own words. I'm sorry, Terrence. And, but at the same time, 
he really he 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 wasn't set up for success last year in my opinion he was thrown in undrafted free agent i mean out of texas tech and like they're like okay well hopefully you can figure it out and place you know like i just i that's unreasonable to me to go in and try and replace lyle collins or whoever you know anyone as a as a, a rookie so um and it's yeah. really kind of amazing that he, that didn't ruin him. That, like, because mentally, that could ruin a lot of players. That, like, yeah. you know what? Yeah. I'm undrafted. I just don't have it for this league. Um, you know what? I'll I'll play another year and make make a few hundred grand. But like, I know this isn't for me. And for him to just kind of dig in, that is it is really impressive. It's one of the most impressive stories of this first half. That like, or well, first six games that people aren't aren't going to really talk about that much. Yeah, good for him. Does anyone have a? spicy hot take that they want to squat on and sound really cool about saying at the end of the year well obviously I know nothing about football or this Cowboys team since I have made no good predictions so no something (laughs) John you go (laughs) man this is tough uh let me think what can I say what can I say say? like uh, I'm going with uh 15 interceptions for Big D 15. Ooh. Breaking 15. the record. Oh, geez. I don't know if I can even top that with anything that I, I'm even thinking is even somewhat realistic. Um, Get weird. Who are, are we just going to like crush the Cardinals? Like what? I don't know. What's happening? Uh, all right. I'll say that Randy Gregory yes. gets 15 sacks. That's hot. Let's go. That's zesty. That was that was a sext, if we're being honest, to Megan Murray, because as we know, Megan is a Hornhusker fan and she loves Randy, and so like that was an elevated year for her. I don't understand it at all, Megan. I seriously, they they leave me scratching my head. They're just people in the. This kind of a Lions fan, Megan. I just want to add some perspective to this commentary. Florida State fan, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Nebraska, they just like every Saturday, they care so much. They just deserve so much better than what they've gotten for like. I know. I, mean, I just, I don't know. I just, because I was watching they played Michigan, whatever, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that I was, was just, a heartbreaker. Yeah, and the place was rocking. And I'm just like, how do they not get like, I mean, not they that they do don't it recruit, every but like, year, even yeah. when they're so bad. I, you, you want me to tell you what it is? Two is that it was a mistake that they joined the Big Ten that they should have stayed in the Big Twelve because of recruiting purposes. That's the only thing I can think of because I the fan I base certainly still is, is there. Yeah, yeah, I know why they did it, but yeah, Just it, it, it's the Runza. If we're being really honest, like how dare you bring Runza is a bad food item. And that's not a spicy hot take. That is a stupid take. I don't even know what it is. Oh, let me tell you about what it is, John. It's the worst thing you will ever put in your mouth. Oh, I got I got got one. Cabbage in a like in a pocket of like it's it's just like eating a burger. No, it's not. It's like eating a cabbage hot pocket. And I literally had a gag reflex in there for you to be that upset about it. It's I am like literally. So there's also, obviously going to be delicious. things. There's going to be things that are going to be worse. That I mean, you, anybody can come up with a food item that's going to be more disgusting because you can just come up with anything. But in terms of something that might or that is popular, though, that doesn't sound worse than skyline chili. Oh, skyline chili is gross too. I mean, that when I saw, like, I literally, I'll never forget when the first time I discovered, it, I was like, "Wait, that's on top of noodles." Like, yeah. So yeah. gross to me, and, and no. people, there are people out there that love it. I, I don't know. I guess it maybe if you're from there, like no, and that's a thing. My family's from there. No, 
It's cinnamon does not belong in chili. Beans belong in chili. And I'm sorry, like it looks like something that came out of a bathroom. Like, no. With your cinnamon take, I need you to talk to your people in Kansas. I honestly, I was unaware that my my home state had some questionable food decisions and food items. Rolls with their chili. That's that's. I mean, it's not the grossest thing I've ever heard. It's a little strange, though. It's a little weird. Well, here, since we're getting off topic, I'm going to throw out another one here. Okay. Um, it blows me away. This kind of goes on the Nebraska thing too. It amazes me that like the success Kansas has had in basketball, how like in the grand scheme of things like that, it doesn't matter in the, in the whole, like, like if they want to leave the conference, because it's all about football. Like that just shows you how big college football is that like Kansas basketball isn't enough to be attractive to like these other, it just, it blows my mind. Like when I heard that, when like there all this realignment talk was going on, I was like, yeah. why? I mean, cause me, like, I, I just, I don't know. I gravitated towards being just like an ACC fan. Like I like Duke and Florida state. I'm just kind of like, Sure. Well, Kansas go to the ACC, so it's yes. like Duke and Kansas and North Carolina and all that. There, it just I don't know because team is just never going to get on that level. To where <sighs> they're going to be. Football is king. Yeah, it really is. I mean, as someone who paid tuition at the University of Kansas and went there, and as someone who um, knowingly says this publicly, um, Bill Self is my hall pass. I too That's don't weird. understand. Um, the the logic, but I will tell you that like even when KU was good at football, it was my senior year in high school when they had Mangino and we're going to the Orange Bowl with. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Play Wake Forest, maybe. Uh huh. And um, what's his face? Their quarterback actually, the quarterback from that team works for my dad now. It's really random. My dad works for a KU booster. Anyways, Who's um, the quarterback. Uh, Todd Reesing. Todd oh, Reesing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. How's this for a flashback? So Todd Reesing works for my dad who lives in Austin, who works for this big like KU donor. All that to say, um, even when they were good, the big like shirts on campus were like our coach can eat your coach. And like we pregame harder than you party. Like it was not a like we're excited about the football game. It was like a we are just enjoying the fact that this is like an anomaly and like we're rolling with it, but like, you know, we're a football, we're, we're a basketball team. Like we are a basketball school. We'll see you in the fall. Let me, let, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been seeing a lot of this on Twitter and I can't believe how much Cowboys fans that don't like Mike McCarthy, or maybe it's other fans, like bring up the weight thing. Like, I don't understand why you care. Like, yeah. What does I, his I don't know. I just think it's kind of with his ability to coach. Yeah, and I just have I don't you know. met Andy Reid? Right. People, I mean, yeah. They they really do that. Like they are talking about his weight and stuff. Oh well, yeah. I mean, when they're like taking shots at him about like stuff like that, particularly when I tweet anything about the you know the potentially Kellen Moore leaving, you know, uh, yeah. At the end of the year, they're like, well, no, <laughs> they need to replace, you know, and then they take shots at his weight or whatever. And I'm just kind of like how are we not past that in today's like day and age that like, yeah, nobody really cares like about that, like, or shouldn't at least like, I don't know. No. It just, I've noticed None that of your business, him. how much he weighs. So it, it's, it's, that's some real egghead avatar behavior, like <laughs> zero <laughs> accountability because you're hiding behind a screen and like, you would never say those things. And it's just like a pointless argument because you can, you don't think you're going to bear any consequences for what you're just throwing out into space. No, you're absolutely right about that. I've been scrolling through my phone while you've been talking about this. I've been trying to find this picture and I can't bring it up now, but anyway, um, I, uh, when the final four was here in Dallas, uh, 
I was at a hotel with my brother and uh, Bill Self was there. My brother's a big Kansas fan. And so I was like, well, let's go get a picture with him. And he didn't really want to do it. And I was like, hey, coach, can we get a picture real quick? And my what? brother was kind of like, yeah, and whatever. And so I just snapped it real quick. He was cool about it. Yes, I can't find it on my phone right now. But yeah, I, I was like in front of a hotel. Lose my mind. Okay, on that topic, I worked that Final Four. And I, um, when KU was there, and I was like freaking out. That was when Steve Kerr was an announcer. And then I had, I got to wear like the KU, like national ring, like someone was sitting next to me who had one. And then also- um, I believe that was like close to the time when Larry Brown was coming in town. Cause like, I was like riding this like basketball high because then I was at, S- right. yeah, I was at SMU and I got to be one of the first people I was a journalism major who interviewed Larry Brown and I was wearing a red shirt and he was like, he was like, Oh, is that crimson? And I was like, he knows that I am from Kansas. So <laughs> in summary, Kelsey Charles does not get starstruck around players, but she does around coaches. <laughs> the end. <laughs> going forward yes that's that's all she wrote so anyways glad thanks for letting me away from giving your spicy hot take oh okay um spicy hot take for kelsey charles um uh um um oh gosh just say that they're gonna go 16 and one yeah 16 and one (laughs) let's go they're gonna go undefeated in the NFC East. How's that? Okay. I, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Index off the charts. That's mine. Undefeated in the NFC East. There we go. I love it. Okay. okay. I'm going to return back to this. Okay. Those are the receipts. you're right, because that would be amazing. <laughs> are you done? Are you done brutalizing us with our horrible takes? Because I'm terrified that you still have more. <laughs> did you have any bad ones? <laughs> uh, did I? I actually did. Um, Okay, sorry, my dog is like eating the world's largest toy. Um, so <laughs> I said that there, I was I was being salty, and I was like, the first points they score are obviously going to be some stinking field goal when we like have an amazing drive and just we die in the end zone. Oh yeah, in the red zone. Correct. And, um, and that was wrong. <laughs> um, and I also said I was like, they're just gonna whoop. Tampa Bay, and then they're going to turn around and lose to the Chargers. Oh, right. Also wrong. Eh, that's not that far off, though. Yeah, truly. And I actually, if they would have beat Tampa Bay, I could have seen that happening. Yeah. I would, I guess I was like, we were both there. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good times. Good times. Might be going back there, maybe in the playoffs, you know? Hey! Down. Okay, John. There's the hot take. Oh, you want? Oh, how about another one then? What about them losing the Chargers? Or I mean, them beating the Chargers? I thought, I thought, uh, I've thought about that a couple of times about how maybe they go back to that stadium. That's where the Super Bowls at this year. Wow, John is just on fire now. John basically, I got a Southwest voucher and I used it to buy a ticket to LA. (laughs) Did you? Phenomenal. They were playing like really good music in the press box before the game. And then after the game at that chargers game. Okay. And when we were leaving the press box to go down to the locker room, they were playing, make sure that I got the art, everything right here. They had good snacks in there too. Dave sent me a, a photo. They had like full size candy bars, like the cool house on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, they did. Yeah. So they were playing California dreaming. But not like the original one, the one by Sia that was in the movie San Andreas. So it's like a really like it's a slower version, but it's oh. still, it's still pretty dope. 
And when they were playing that, that is literally what I thought about. Cause you know, the, the whole song is about like being cold out and being miserable and being, you know, dreaming, you wishing you were back in, in California, being in LA, being in California. Yeah. yeah. Just thinking about like, man, what if that would be, cause I love LA. Like it's my favorite place to visit. Um, I don't want to live there just because I don't want it to be ruined that how much, I, and it's not just LA, just Southern California in general. I'm like, man, how yeah. awesome would that be if they come back here in February? Like this is exactly where I would want to be for that. Like, Oh, a hundred weeks or whatever. Like that would just be for me personally, would, I would love every minute of that. I don't hate it, John manifest it into existence, it. man. It would be great. If they're there, so will I. Same here. <laughs> I already told Derek, I was like, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm interning that day. I will be there. I will be in that facility just so we're clear. Like, oh. I can change it if I must, but yeah. I, want, I don't want to. I want to ride in the overhead bin. There's a lot of cowboys. There's a lot of cowboys fans that like I see on social media and that that are like kind of hesitant, like don't talk about Super Bowl or whatever. It's like just embrace I talk about it. it every year before the it, it starts. Like yeah, just embrace it. It's a possibility. I'm it's gonna a real be right someday. Yeah, it would be this day. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you are, and I hope that we can look back on this, and um, the receipts will be correct because that would be the dream. Um, John. Thank you for joining us. This was fun. Can you tell the people what you're working on? Entertaining things they can spend their time on this bye week when there's no Cowboys football. Oh, there's going to be stuff on the athletic. So just check out the athletic. We go to the Cowboys page, me and Bob Sturm, we try and set it up to where like, we always have something up like every day, something new. So you can read that, but then read any of the old stuff too. But like I said, I just finished up this thing. It's like 2,500 words. It's like, basically, instead of having to listen to two hours of what all the assistant coaches said. I've summed it all up into 2,500 words and it's super quick to scroll through. I broke down by each coach. So check that out. It'll be up Friday morning. Did you write Durday's responses in italics? <laughs> I, I didn't, but I do love that they do that. And that. <laughs> we have every time. That's you know what's really funny about that too, is that he's, he's a pretty soft-spoken guy. And, and he even said that like, it's not really his personality to be like in on like hard knocks like that. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest his accent and talking like that. And then having the story that he has from, you know, that's just not a, it's not a common story in the NFL. Like that put him in kind of front and center, whether he wanted to be or not, but yeah, just in talking to him, like you can tell, like, that's not really like, you know, he's not really the guy that really wants to be in the camera, but you know, he was put there and right. know, the guys seem like they really like playing for him. So every time I see him on the sideline, I just go, hello. <laughs> there he is. Well, while you're checking out John's and Bob's stuff all over on The Athletic, um, also, if you guys were ever a frontrunner subscriber, you should go into your email preferences in The Athletic and uh, tick on the Daily Pulse newsletter that is written by Chris Branch. It is literally basically frontrunner, but by The Athletic, and it is awesome. So um, definitely worth subscribing just to A, see and talk about what John is writing and also Bob, but also to get that newsletter too. So um, John, thanks for joining us. We do appreciate you. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the Blog and the Boys podcast. Be ready at your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can also hang out with John, Meg, and I on social media. John is on Twitter at John Mashoda, no H. I am on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. Also on Instagram at Hey Kelsey Charles. And Megan is Meg Murray with four R's on everything. And John, um, you know, you've been on the show long enough to know that we always end this uh, a specific way. And today is no different. So uh, Megan Murray, you want to take it away? Dallas forever. Philly for never.
John's laughing because he knows it's true. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>